Romans chapter 1, verse 1 through 7. Let's just uh, read this together. Verse 1, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, who was descended from David, according to the flesh, and was he declared to be the son of God in power, according to the spirit of holiness, by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ, our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nation, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, pray with me. Father, what we do not know, teach us. God, what we have not, give us. God, what we are not kindly, make us. For your son's Jesus' sake. Amen. Hey, be seated. Uh, this morning, we, we start uh, a two-year journey to the book of Romans. Two years. <laughs> um, I don't think it could be anything less than two years. But uh, this morning, the title of our message, The Man and the Message, from Romans chapter 1, verse 1 through 7. Uh, many religious converts uh, have a, what they call a flash of uh, temporary zeal. When a new believer comes to Christ, there's this new kind of excitement that happens in, in their lives. But after a while, the flame burns out, and they return to the normalcy of ordinary life in this world. They choose comfort and security and live out their lives as, as nice people, as nice Christians. One thing I love is uh, single-mindedness, is things I, I look for. to When I want to follow someone, when I follow a hero, uh, one of the things that I do is I read biographies. And one of the reasons why I read biographies of old is because uh, we live in a world where people excel heroes who are not really heroes, right? They, um, they, we exalt athletes, we exalt actors and actresses and and yet, when, they look, when you look deeply into their lives, it's immoral, isn't it? It's nothing really worth following. Um, so th that's why this man amazes me so much, because he had a single-mindedness. Uh, you know, when we see the 13 epistles that Paul wrote, I, I love to see an entire life devoted to one great thing. And, and, and Paul was this man that he devoted his whole entire life to one great thing. The gospel. To me, it is a beautiful when a, when a human soul, instead of fitting from one interest to another, sets a course of life and stays on it until the end. How many of you guys know people who starts really, really fast? Really, really fast. Really gung-ho about it, right? And then some, somewhere down the line, they, they kind of flame out. They don't continue. They don't have the same zeal. But not Paul. Paul was different. Of course, this is a praiseworthy only if the goal is worth a lifetime of focus. And the reason why people burn out in flames is because they really don't know what the goal is. They don't know what that goal is worth a lifetime. But Paul's reversal from being a persecutor of a Christian church to radical risk-taking promoter of Christianity not burn out at all. His life was astonishing because of his single-minded devotion to the person and the cause he came to love, Jesus Christ, and salvation by grace. I, I've been hiding from this book for many years, uh, and one of the reasons why I'm hiding to preach this, from this book is I don't think I could do it. Um, if you could summarize all of the other epistles of Paul after Romans, it actually comes out of Romans. Uh, it's a lofty book, but I believe this is the right time for Watermark Church to really get grounded in what it means for us to live for the gospel. The whole book of Romans is about the gospel. So every single week for the next two years, we're going to be about the gospel. Amen. Are you guys okay? Are you guys okay with that? Because it's really the most beautiful message ever. <laughs> There's no other message more wonderful than the gospel. It's the gospel. So every single chapter from 1 through 16 is about the gospel. There's nothing out of it. 
I tried to find other things out of it. No, there's not one thing out of it. And here's the reason why I'm scared, because I don't think I was um, mature enough in my faith to really preach through this heavy, heavy doctrinal book. But um, two months ago, um, the Lord, um, in His grace, said, I'll equip you. I'll help you. And so I'm going to ask you to join me for the next two years to just journey through me through the gospel, through the book of Romans. But let me set this up real quick. Let me give you a timeline of where we are. So Paul, uh, you know his name is Saul of Tarsus, and uh, we know from here he was born in Tarsus. He became a Pharisee, um, and then he was converted in Acts 9. Uh, and then he had three missionary journeys, okay? And then all the way to the third missionary journey, we see that he wrote Romans while he was in Corinth. Okay, so the next one, we'll see a map of where he was in his journeys. Uh, the next one after this, if flip one. All right, there you go. Okay, thanks. Uh, so we see here that there's three journeys, and you see Corinth right there on the right side. He wrote the book of the letters to Romans right there, Corinth. And then he went through Rome, the church in Rome. So that's kind of where we are. Rome was the center of the universe, you know, during that time, during the time of Christ. So he was in Corinth, according to Acts 20. It leads us to conclude that it was written in late winter, early spring of AD 2057, during his third missionary journey. So when completed, Paul sent the letter along with a woman named Phoebe, who was sailing for Rome. So that's how we got the Roman letter. Uh, we have three points this morning. Number one, Paul's view of himself. Number two, Paul's view of the message of the gospel. Number three, Paul's view of his calling and responsibility. And number four, Paul's view of the Roman believers. So first point, Paul's view of himself. Verse one, Paul a servant of Christ Jesus called to be an apostle set apart for the gospel of God. Paul, Paul begins his letter with how he viewed himself. He viewed himself in three ways. First, as a servant, as a doulos of Christ Jesus, which is very significant because he could have introduced himself as Paul, a, a distinguished theologian, master of the Old Testament, frontline warrior, the goat, Right? But he chooses the word doulos, which is the lowest level of a galley slave in a ship. Such slaves were considered the lowest of the low. This perhaps the hardest and most demeaning work of a slave could do. So at the root of his psyche, this incredible productive man views himself primarily as a slave of Christ. So no matter who you are, a pastor, a teacher, an officer, a worker, or a CEO, if you are to be productive for God, you must view yourself as a servant. It identifies one first and foremost as a believer. If you want to know what a true Christian is, one should call themselves a servant. People often complain that when someone asks you to serve, that you, you complain, man, why are they asking me to serve? Because they have every right to ask you to serve because you're a servant. A servant shouldn't complain because that's who you are as a Christian. To become a servant of Christ is really a proper picture of what it means to be a Christian. Jesus in Mark 10.45 says, uh, Even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. You might be asking what, a, what degree did he serve? He ransomed you from your sins. To the point of death, according to Philippians 2. Slavery to Christ is a special kind of slavery because it's a slavery in which you actually become free. See, to the Corinthians, he said in 1 Corinthians 6.20, God paid a great price for you, a high price, a great cost. So use your body to honor God. But what Paul is saying here is the reason why we, can, we are called servants of Christ is because We've been bought with a great price. God died for us, not just so to forgive our sins, but to become his servant. That's why the word says honor or glorify your body to honor God. So when Paul identifies himself as a servant of Christ Jesus, he's saying, among other things, I am like you. Like you, I too have been purchased by Christ. I am his follower. I am a slave. People don't often think that's a demeaning 
title, isn't it, for someone? Call you a slave? But in reality, that's who we are. In Galatians chapter 1, verse 10, um, Paul goes on to say, For I am now seeking, I am, for I for am I now seeking the approval of men or of God? Or am I trying to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. The, the Bible is very clear that when you and I focuses on serving men, we lose it. We serve men because we're serving God. It's not the other way around. The reason why I serve you, the reason why I study, the reason why you can call me at any point in time is because I'm a servant of Christ. You are as well. There's joy in serving. Even Jesus said, I came not to be served. I, I had every right to be served, but I didn't come to serve. I came actually to serve you. So for Paul, it says, I'm not serving you till I can please you. I'm serving you because I want to please God. In 1 Corinthians 4.3, Paul said, it's a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. It is the Lord that judges me. See, he was a servant of Christ first and a servant of man second. Paul is not being arrogant here. All he's saying that in the end, human verdict will not count at all. Uh, a, a week ago or so, somebody called me and said, you know what? I just want to say something about you. I said, okay. I said, I could take it. I said, give it to me. Right? I said, in my mind, uh, and, and don't take this any wrongly, I, I value your, your opinion. I do. But I don't value it as much as I value Christ's opinion. I just don't. Because it's really a very small thing for me, what you think of me. Because in the end, I'm not going to answer you. I will only answer to God. What made Paul so focused in his life because he stopped being a people pleaser. He decided to be, a ple to be pleasing to God alone. And he knew he can't do both. See, we think we could do both when we can't. We can't say, I want to please you and please God at the same time. You can't. Because some of the things that God wants, you're not going to like. Some things that God's opinion, you're not going to like. So what are you going to do? Who are you going to please? And some people get stuck in that. And let me unstuck you. Please God first. And please man second. And it will go well with you. But if you start pleasing man, guess what's going to happen? It's never going to be enough. It's never going to be enough. Paul continues his view of himself as one called by Christ Jesus to be an apostle, which is the basis of his authority, based on his being called by Jesus. In the Greek, it, it, the word apostle carries a basic meaning of a person who is sent. Right? It refers to someone who was officially commissioned to a position or task. Jesus officially called 13 men to this office. And they were given direct revelation of God's word. They give of healing and the power to cast out demons in order to verify their God-given authority. But in the broadest sense, an apostle can refer to all believers because all believers is sent to the world as a witness for Christ. All of us are, because that's why God said in Matthew 28, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You are an apostle. Okay, before, before we, get, we get down to it, you are not an apostle, but you are an apostle. Is that confusing to you? Okay, let me unconfuse you. There's only 13 men that has a big A on it. They're the big A apostle. All of you, you and I, are small a apostle. Okay, let me, I want to, before you guys said, before you walk away, say, hey, my pastor said I'm an apostle. You are not. You are not the big A apostle. There's only 13 of them. Here, let me prove it to you. How many of you here have seen, have seen the risen Christ personally, bodily? Like, you know, you got to touch his hands and you got to touch his feet. How many of you guys have done that? Any, any of you? I was hoping for one, because I want, I, want to, I want to ask you how it felt. But, but none of you have seen who? The risen Christ, bodily, personally. How many of you guys here have talked to Jesus personally? Still no takers? 
Right? So you don't qualify. Okay, another thing. Did Jesus tell you, I'm going to commission you personally? Did everybody get that, hear that too? Or seen that? No, it's only 13 men who was able to give that, that given that privilege. And they're really privileged men. But yes, we are small a apostle. From the literal world, apostles meaning being sent out. See, all of us are sent out, no matter who you think you are. You are sent out. Whether you do it or not, it does not take away that you are being sent out. And you say, sent out to what? Let me just give you very quick. How many of you here know people who does not know the Lord? I'm known here people that do not know the Lord. That if they were to die tonight, they will spend the rest of their life in a Christless eternity. How many of you guys know people like that? If you know people like that, God said you've been sent out to them. You've been sent out to them. And you say, oh, no, 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 no. No, no, that's our pastor. He's being sent out to them. Actually, no, I'm not. I have the privilege of preaching to you and, and pastoring you, but... But that duty to be an apostle, to be sent out, is to all of us. See, God said, I bought you with a price. Therefore, glorify me in your body. How do you glorify God in your body? By going out. And, and, and you say, what am I going to go out with? And I'm going to tell you what you're going to go out with. It says here, you're going to go out for the gospel. Furthermore, I, I just wanted to tell you that uh, Paul was, all throughout his letter, was uh, accused of not being an apostle. And yet he defends himself all the time. In 2 Corinthians, he defends himself all the time. But in Galatians chapter 1, verse 1, I want you to look. If you have your Bible with me, just, just uh, um, Galatians chapter 1, verse 1. I just want you to open your Bible so that I'm not telling you anything differently than what I read in the Scripture. Because it's always helpful that um, what I'm preaching to you is the gospel. Uh, that's coming from the Bible itself. So Paul testified about his apostleship this way, and I love how this NCV has translated this verse. He says, from, from Paul, an apostle, I was not chosen to be an apostle by human beings, nor was I sent from human beings. I was made an apostle through Jesus Christ, the God, the Father who raised Jesus from the dead. And then in verse 15 and 16, but when he who has set me apart before I was born... And who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. See, Paul was so, was so honored to have this position that it was not because man chose him, not because he was voted in, but because he was chosen by God himself. In Acts 9.15, uh, when he was so-called Saul, he was still blinded from his encounter with Jesus on the Damascus Road. The Lord said to Ananias about this man who will eventually be a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the sons of Israel. So by calling himself an apostle, he reminding them that he was not self-appointed, but he was called by God himself. As I read the book of Acts, his calling to be an apostle was so essential to his ongoing work. So whenever things got rough, he could always reflect on the evidence of his calling. It was God who called him. That's why he understood the difficulties of the ministry. You see, if I had been wrongly appointed himself, if, if Paul was wrong in appointing himself as an apostle, he would have never finished. But because God had appointed him and given him the persevering power to finish the race. And, and this race was, was set before him by God himself. No wonder he said in Acts 20, 24, it gives us an absolute glimpse of how he viewed his calling as an apostle. He says, but I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, but only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus Christ to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. You know, Acts 20, 24 um, have been my passage for the past couple of years. I remember um, waiting uh, when I finally got my discharge uh, paperwork and I was set to go home a couple years, two and a half years ago after the hospital. Um, and I asked the Lord, um, God, what do you want me to do now? Um, 
and I made this my point, really. And then last August, again, when I was diagnosed again with the same cancer, I, I, Acts 20, 24 came to my being again. And, and I hope that this verse also comes to you this morning, whether you're sick or well or whatever, that Acts 20, 24 becomes really meaningful to you. Because when Paul said this, and, and I want you to see this, Paul said, I do not account my life of any value nor precious to myself. And this is so contrary to who we are, right? We put so much value in, 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 in us, and, and we're so precious to ourselves. And yet Paul was so single-minded that he said, the only thing that matters to me is that I may finish my course. And what was this course? To testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Let me ask you, what are you living for? What are you living for? Get a bigger house? Get a faster car? Get another promotion? Get, get an awesome job? Buy a house with a white picket fence and two cars and a dog? And then let me ask you, then what? Then what? Paul said, I, I put aside all of that. I considered it all as garbage. Because I have a course to finish. And, and, and please get this. This was for Paul. And, and I understand that. This was for him. But when God saved you and I, he gave you a course. He gave you this course. And God says, you are to finish the course I have set before you. I'm not saying that you can't restart the course because you can but if you're here and you've been stagnant and say, you know what, I'm just living this nice, normal Christian life. My, my task is to wake you up and tell you that, hey, you have a course to finish. You, you have this ministry that God has sent before you to testify of, to the gospel of the grace of God. And, and then you might ask, how do I know I have this course? How do I know I have this ministry to testify to the gospel of the grace of God? This is how you would know. Because as long as you have any loved ones who are not in the kingdom yet, you are to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. That's what you have to do. See, not only did Paul know that he was called, but he knew who called him. And that made such a difference, isn't it? Would it make a difference to the one who called you? Right? See, once in a while, I will, I will ask my kids, hey, can you clean up after yourself? Right? There's a sense of authority because they're living under my roof, right? What if one day I would say, hey, Caleb, can you clean up the backyard? And he said, no, I will not. You do it yourself. What do you think will happen to him? <laughs> I mean, that's just, I'm going to leave that to your imagination. Right? But see, that's because I have the authority because he's my son and I'm his father. But Paul had an authority over him and, and his name is Jesus. And Jesus told him, hey, I bought you with a price. I paid for your sins. I've forgiven all your sins. I cancel all your sins. Now honor me with your body. And so that's what I'm going to ask you. I'm asking you that today. I'm asking you that. For the next two years, I'm going to ask you, will you honor God with your body? Will you honor God with your soul? Would you? John Piper said in his book, uh, you could download this for free, by the way, to desire God, why I love the Apostle Paul. He says, better to lose your life than to waste it. And for Paul, not wasting his life meant staying on one single course all the way to the end. The third phrase Paul uses to introduce himself to the believers in Rome is set apart for the gospel of God. Because Paul was called and sent by God as an apostle his whole life was set apart in the Lord's service. In the days before he met Christ on the road to Damascus, Paul was a Pharisee. And the meaning of the word is separated, separation or separated one. Here he uses the same word for his commitment to the gospel. All of you here, you and I, are set apart for the gospel. 
whether you want to admit it or not. What does that mean? Do you know that you guys have the, key, the keys to the kingdom? How many of you guys here know that? That you have the keys to the kingdom? You guys know that you have the keys to the kingdom of God? You have the keys. What does that mean? Do you know that you have actually the power to lead someone to heaven? <laughs> Do you know that you actually have this power to lead someone to eternal life? Just think about this for a moment. How many guys think he would have, if God would have saved people, he would just open the windows of heaven and say, this is my son, believe him. You think that, I don't think evangelism will be easier this way. What do you think? How about right now? Right now you'll pray for that someone that you know who's not saved and say, God, open the windows of heaven and let them hear you. I don't think that would be an easier way to do evangelism. Right? How many guys will be absolutely scared out of your life if the whole bit of heaven... Hey, John, <laughs> believe in my son. How many guys would that be easier? Would that be easier? But yet, you know what he did do? He didn't do that. Instead, he uses sinners like you and me to be his channel of blessing to someone else. And then when you think about yourself, who am I? Who am I? You know who you are? You know who you are? You're an apostle. You know who you are? You're set apart for the gospel. You know who you are? You're a servant of Christ. That's who you are. How privileged is that? Isn't it great when the Bible says it's better to serve in God's courts one day than a thousand where elsewhere? Just think about this for a moment. The king of kings called you to serve him. The king of kings called you to send you out. The king of kings sets you apart over other people in the world. How privileged is that? Isn't that privilege? That is such a privilege, isn't it? I thought about this this morning. And by the way, this may be the only point I'm going to get through this morning. <laughs> I want you to look at verse 1. And I want you to replace the word... Paul with your name on it. Just, just look through that passage with me. Just replace the word Paul with your name on it. I mean, Paul doesn't have to do that because uh, that's already his name. <laughs> but all of you, everybody else here could change it except Paul, okay? But I want you to look at that. Put your name in it. A servant of Christ Jesus called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. How honoring is that to you? How honoring is that? Um, I don't want to embarrass Evelyn, but Evelyn really ministered to me uh, about a couple weeks ago. She called me and said, hey, Pastor, can I call you? And usually when I hear pe people, when they text me, hey, can I call you? Something's not good, right? <laughs> Then I called her. I said, I'll call you at 7. Then I said, I don't know until 7.05. We got to talk and say, you know what? I have a problem with, with my, um, one of my kids' teachers. And I go, what's the problem? She said that she can't talk about her hero. And Abby, I tell you, I'm so glad because you and I share, share the same hero. And Abby's hero is Jesus. And, and all... Her mom wanted to do is like, why can't she talk about her hero? Why can't she talk about her hero? It would be awesome when we talk about our hero. You know Paul's hero? His name is Jesus. You know who your hero is? It's Jesus. You know why he's your hero? Because he purchased you from your sins. That's why he's your hero. And then your hero, his name is Jesus, says, hey, be my servant. He says, be my sent one. Hey, I will set you apart from this. I will sanctify you from this. You're going to be specializing in this. See, all of us have this specialty. The gospel of God. We should specialize in that topic alone. 
Because it's the only topic alone that will what? That will lead someone to eternal life. You know why Paul dedicated his life so much to, to the gospel? Because it's the gospel that saves. Isn't that something that we dedicate ourselves to? Okay, I want us to really look at this. And I intend to go further, but I have a time clock today. Um, Think of the biggest jerk you had in school. How many of you guys here had a jerk in school? Someone just picked on you. I guess you guys know that name? Think about that name. You guys have a name in your head? A jerk, like just picked on you. How many of you guys have been picked on at school by someone? How many of you guys are the one who's picking on people? <laughs> right? There's, there's many videos here, but, but there's always someone who has picked on you, right? Right? And then, how many of you guys have thought, oh, man, they're picking on me, and I want that person to have the best? How many of you guys ever thought that way? <laughs> no, right? What do you think? I want that person to what? Have the worst. How many of you guys, you see that name, the one that picked on you? How many of you guys have wished harm on them? We could be honest here. <laughs> we all humans. How many of you guys have wished harm on someone? Who's a jerk? Just a jerk, Right? Well, the Bible has the biggest jerk of all. His name is Saul. Saul of Tarsus is the biggest jerk of all. You know what his job was? You know what his job was? Imagine having a license to kill. How many of you guys like to have that? No, don't, don't answer. <laughs> Do not answer that. He had a license to kill. That's who Paul, Saul Tarsus was. He had a license to kill. And he has a license to kill a special kind of people. You know who those special kind of people are that he has license to kill? Christians. That he was licensed to kill Christians. Right? So what did he do? He got a letter. He says, give me a letter so I could go to this town. Right? Right? To this town. And I could kill them. That's his job. One of the deacons of the church, his name is Stephen. Paul is the one who gave the signal to kill Stephen, the first martyr of the church. The biggest jerk, biggest jerk ever. You want everything harmful to cost Paul, right? Harmful, everything harmful. But guess what God did? He specializes in jerks. You know how I know? Because he specializes on you. He specializes on a jerk. And after Jesus Christ, I believe Paul is the greatest man in, in the Bible. And no doubt in my, head, in my heart, in my mind. So on his way there to kill Christians, what, did, what happened to him? He saw Christ. And what happened when he saw Christ? He changed everything in his life, right? Didn't it? Didn't he change everything? Radically changed everything in his life, correct? So if one is truly saved, one thing we do know is one will be what? Truly changed. There has to be a transformation, right? He came from being the persecutor of the church, the murderer of the church, to become its greatest what? proponent of the gospel. How could that be? It happened because he was saved. It happened because he saw, he found his hero, and his hero is Jesus Christ. And I was telling Evelyn that uh, if his teacher doesn't want to read her Abby's paper, I'll read it here. Absolutely read it here. So you still owe me a paper, Abby. <laughs> so, so I'm going to tell you this. Because Paul found his hero, he said, I will follow my hero all the way to my death. So my question for you, who is your hero? Who is your hero? In a few moments, we're about to take the Lord's Supper to remember our hero. But yet he's more than our hero, isn't he? He's our savior. He's our Messiah. He's our king. And Paul was so privileged to be called his servant.
Paul was so privileged to be set apart. Paul was so privileged to be sent out by God. And I'm telling you this as an introduction is because you are no different than the Apostle Paul, except he saw the risen Christ. Okay? Okay. So from now till next week, if you've seen the risen Christ, um, can you preach for me next week? <laughs> if you so happens to see the risen Christ next week, you belong here, I belong there. But since that might not happen, unlikely, will you take this journey with me to this man who dedicated his whole life, who gave his whole life for this one cause, the gospel? Because it was worth it. And I'm here, I'm not trying to embellish, I'm not trying to put Paul on a pedestal. I'm actually putting the one who called him to a pedestal, Jesus Christ. And the main part of this is, for me, is do you love Jesus? And my question for you is how much? All of us could confess, I love Jesus. I love the Lord. But I'm going to challenge you, how much? How much do you love him? Do you love him on a Sunday? Do you love him when things are comfortable? Or do you love him? Because the only reason why Paul was able to complete what he did from the beginning to end is because he loves Christ. And if you are going to complete whatever God has for you, this course that he set before you, you must have this deep, amazing love for Christ. Because you are, then you don't mind serving other people. Then you don't mind being sent out to other people who does not know the gospel. And definitely you will take it as an honor that God has set me apart for the gospel. You would. What made Paul a great man was not because of all his accolades. What made him a great man because he served Christ. What made him a great man? Because he said, you want me to send me to the Gentiles? I'll go to the Gentiles. God, how far do you want me to go? He said, to the ends of the earth. I will go to the ends of the earth. I will preach to the Gentiles. I'll preach to whomever you call me to preach. Whether I am free or I am in jail, I will preach the gospel. You know, because he said, out of everybody in the world, you saved the biggest jerk of all. That was him. And God said, I have set this jerk apart. You here who are sitting here, you have been set apart. Out of all the people in the world, he said, I will set you apart. I will choose you. How amazing is that? You can only see how amazing that is when you realize how sinful you are. And how undeserving you are of the goodness of God. Okay. So God said, and I will conclude here, you've been bought with a price. And that price was the blood of God's only son. And that blood resulted in what? In the cancellation of all your sins. That's what happened. All your sins are being canceled. So if all your sins are being canceled, what should be our response to that? Can I just ask you for just for a moment? We're going to do that today as we take the Lord's Supper. That's one of our responses is to take the Lord's Supper. But after the Lord's Supper, can I ask you what is your response can I ask you what's your response? Somebody paid a great price already for your forgiveness of sin, for all your sins to be canceled, to give you eternal life, and to have a home in heaven, to never be homeless, and to, be, to have eternity with God. He gave you all of that. He gave you all the inheritance of the saints. He gave you all of that. You are heirs of God. He gave you all of that. Now let me ask you, what's your response? We could only look at Paul and look at his response. And he responded this, this way. 
and I've been saying it all morning, I will serve Christ with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, and with all my strength. Would you do that? Would you from this day on say, I'm a servant of Christ? I'm a slave? I'm a do loss? I will do whatever for me to serve Christ? Will you finally consider your calling to be an apostle, to be the one who's being sent out for this privilege to be what? An evangelion, meaning an evangelist, a proclaimer of the gospel of God? Will you finally do your duty? And finally, would you take it a privilege that out of everybody that he could have chosen, he chose you? Those are the three things that we can respond to this. God, I will serve Christ however you want me to serve Christ. I will, I will do my job to present this gospel that is life-giving to someone who doesn't have it. You know, N.T. Niles made evangelism so easy to, to define. It's like, if you see yourself a beggar, and you're a beggar, and you found this bread, and what do you do? As a beggar, you find another beggar to, give, to tell him where to find bread. That's, that's evangelism. You and I have, have tasted the bread of life, right? All of us have tasted the bread of life, right? We're the beggar who found the bread of life, who came to us, and then finally God said, go find another beggar so you could tell him where to find bread. That's evangelism. And, that, and last thing is that you're so special. Whether you like it or not, whether your husband or your wife tells you you're special, I'm going to tell you you're special. And this is how special you are. Out of, every, out of the billion, millions of people who live in the world, he chose you. He set you apart. He said, I'm going to put you aside and I'm going to use you. That's awesome, isn't it? That the king of kings would do that for you. For what sake? For the gospel. There's a book that I've been reading right now. It's called The Gospel Primer. And uh, it's really awesome because uh, it talks about really our duty before, with the gospel. It talks about what privilege we have that we have actually this gospel. Do you know how many guys here watch the news almost every day? Watch the news or hear about the news? How many guys here? Do that. How many guys here still read a newspaper? How many guys, you guys know what a newspaper is? Right? How many guys still read a newspaper or read whatever, right? We have all this news. And one thing that we could conclude is all the news are what? Are bad. Isn't it? Do you see anything good in the news? Do you ever see like an article and say, oh man, that, that, that's good news? No, most of the things you say is bad news, right? What do you hear all week? What do you hear all month? Somebody got killed. Somebody was murdered. Somebody was gunned down. It's not the news that we, that we hear all the time. Right? Someone died. But when someone died, when someone dies, do you ever think this way? Where is that person today? Where is that person today when someone dies? When you see an eight-year-old or a six-year-old being gunned down, the question is, where is that child? Or when a man comes down at Wendy's, where is that man? Where is that woman when they die? Have you ever asked that question? Because they could only be in two places. Either they will be in heaven or they will be in hell. There's only two places they could be. And yet you and I have the power and the keys to the kingdom to tell them, you don't have to go to hell. You could actually go to heaven by believing in his son, Jesus Christ. And yet, we find ourselves ashamed of even saying to someone, hey, God loves you. God doesn't want you to die in your sins. God wants to cancel all your debt legally to God. He, he, he actually did it already. You don't have to do anything. He did it already. Would you just tell him that? Tomorrow at work, would you, would you look at someone and say, hey, I just care about you. I, I care about where you're going to spend eternity. So I just need to ask you, do you guys care? 
and you said, oh, man, I just don't have the strength to, or the words to say, I'm, I'm so afraid that they're going to make fun of me, or I'm going to fumble the words. And, and mm-hmm. you know what I said about this to you? God wouldn't call you a small a apostle if he's not going to equip you to do it. He wouldn't set you apart if you're not equipped to do this. So all it tells me is that you're equipped to do this because you've been called to do it. You've been set apart to do it. That means there's this one person, at least one person, I believe this with all my heart, at least there's this one person that you're supposed to share the gospel with. One. Would you go to that one person? And, and maybe you'll find out maybe there's a second person or a third person or a fourth person. Man, it would have been scary if, if our mission was the same as Billy Graham, wouldn't you? Would you be scared? I would. Hey, go to the millions. All God is asking, go to that one. Go to that one. Because you know what would be the awesomest thing in heaven? Will be this. When you see a tap in the back, someone's just tapping you in heaven and says, hey, I'm here because you shared me the gospel. How awesome would that be? Think that would be awesome? (laughs) What if you go to heaven and no one taps you in the shoulder? Wouldn't that be sad? Wouldn't it be? It would be, right? As we prepare our hearts for Lord's Supper, um, the Bible says, uh, to examine ourselves. Um, This is not the time where you will take a list of all your sins for the week and gather them up together and ask for forgiveness. Actually, this is more of an examine yourself whether you have been fulfilling your calling as a servant of Christ, as a small a apostle, and as a one who is set apart for the gospel. I'm not going to have anybody serve you today, uh, not because they don't want to serve you, um, but because uh, it's just your time. It's your time to take the bread and the cup. But the Bible also tells you don't do it in an unworthy manner. So what I love you guys to do this morning is before we take the bread and the cup and before you sit down and before we take it together, it's just to examine yourself about your obedience. Would you confess that uh, and dedicate yourself say, God, I'm going to serve you? God, I'm going I'm to go to that one person that does not know Christ. I'm going to go to my son who does not know Christ. I'm going to go to my daughter who does not know Christ. I'm going to go to my friend who does not know Christ. And, and will you take the privilege of taking this supper and say, man, I was set apart to do this. We get to celebrate the Lord's Supper. We get to celebrate his death and his resurrection. We just get to. Because we've been bought with a price. It's our response is to glorify and honor our God with our bodies. That's the call. Would you pray with me this morning? And we just have a time of silence. Oh God, uh, oh God, search our hearts and, and know our thoughts. To, to see if there's any offensive speech, offensive lifestyle, offensive thinking in our lives. And just to confess that before you, before we take the bread and the cup. God, thank you for paying for all our sins. God, you ask us to confess it, and you promise the Lord that you will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, Lord, we want to say thank you. Thank you for the times where we have said no to someone who asked us to serve them.
Now we're sorry for the times that um, we, we feel inconvenient because someone has asked to serve us. God, we're sorry that, um, that we allow our own business, oh Lord, to take so much part of our life that we don't have the time to serve other people. God, we're sorry that we don't look for opportunities to serve others. God, we also ask for forgiveness that, um, that you've given us, O oh Lord, the message of the gospel. That you've given us, O oh Lord, the case of the kingdom. You've given us, O oh Lord, your Holy Spirit. God, you've given us, O oh Lord, the Bible. You've given us, O oh Lord, the words and the power of the gospel. And yet, God, we have this people-pleasing idol in our lives. And the fear of rejection that we rather not share Christ and eternal life with those who are living in a Christless eternity already in judgment with you. Oh, God, forgive us that uh, we care more about uh, our destiny than the destiny of others. God, we're sorry that we don't believe that there's power in the gospel. God, help us to believe that this gospel has stand for over 2,000 years and it will continue to stand. Help us to put our faith and our weight in the message of the gospel. This is powerful, God, because it saved us. It saved a wretched man like us, God. So it has a power to save another wretched man like us. God, as the body of Christ, Lord, help us, Lord, to know that we have been set apart for you. Set apart for the gospel. God, that you have called, you could have called anybody else. But instead, you called us. Oh God, we thank you, Lord, that you have forgiven all our sins. We want to thank you, Lord, that our sins are washed by the blood of Christ. But God, we make this commitment this morning, God, to serve you and to love you with all of our hearts, mind, and strength. And that, Lord, we will proclaim your gospel until you come. And I will consider this an honor just to be called your son and your daughters in Christ. Will you take this time and when you're ready, just take the bread and the cup and we'll celebrate the Lord's table together.